Thanks for listening to the Dr. Drew Podcast on Podcast One. And welcome to Dr. Drew Podcast, everybody. Of course, to keep the wind in the sail of the Corolla, the sails of the Corolla pirate ship. Check out everything that's going on at doctor.com, too. Don't forget the Dr. After Dark podcast. And do click through on those banners and keep things moving here so we can keep doing these pods for you. We appreciate it very much. We like doing them. And we like uh, any suggestions, please send them on in. Go to doctor.com slash contact, and uh, we'll try to respond to these things as best we can. Today, it's my privilege to bring Michelle Ward, Dr. Michelle Ward, to join you all. Gary, Michelle has a – can you hear me? She has a very special connection to the Corolla world. Do you know she, what that, she was telling me her. Oh, no, uh, you know. Yeah, sorry. sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, her husband helped produce uh, the Hammer, the first film to come out of the uh, the mind of Adam. That's Corolla. exactly right. It was funny. Adam was funny. It was really funny. The movie's funny. The movie's funny. The movie's very funny. I know that Adam's funny. He's funny. Well, I, yeah, I get it. I get it. He's funny. That's why. <laughs> that's why he makes people laugh. But uh, Michelle is an expert, Gary, in psychopathy. She is a leading ep- expert in psychopaths. And um, do you agree with Drew's? Have you seen the show Killing Eve? Oh my god! <laughs> I've been bugging her about that for weeks. Have you? Get right into that. She microphone. saw an episode. I don't think she liked it that much. You I, saw? I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Then I did. I one episode. I, I. It was Roger. Didn't like one episode. Mm, it was yeah. Roger. It, yeah. I'm going to love it, and I'm going to tell you I love it, even yeah. if I don't love it. You're, you're going to like it. You're going, but it's going to drive you a little bit crazy. Like whenever you're an expert in anything, you always have notes. You know, it's like oh, they didn't do this quite right, that quite right. But the actress that plays the psychopath is so good. It's like concerning because she is maybe one. It's. I don't think she is, but it has that flavor. Like, how could she possibly do this and not be a psychopath? We trained her. So, so talk, so, okay. Michelle's got a PhD in clinical neuropsychology, neuroscience and psychology from USC. Uh, early in her career, she studied MRIs of murderers and non-murderers to identify the structural differences in the brain, separate them into two groups and, and uh, these types of murderers. There's an impulsive type and a predatory type. And in the impulsive type, they have reduced function in prefrontal cortex, which makes sense. That's the part of the brain that breaks, puts the brakes on our stupid behaviors. But tell people what psychopathy is and how, how they would identify that. Oh, psychopaths are so much fun. So <laughs> psychopaths in some ways are more evolved than the rest of us. What? They, well, okay. Go okay. ahead. Maybe that was a little liberal with me. Go ahead. All right. Insofar as they function without the burden of guilt and without the burden of empathy. Mm-hmm. So they can do all the little nasty things they want to do, all their goal-driven behaviors – Without feeling bad about it. I thought they didn't have much in the way of feelings at all, many of them. So some of them do. I mean, some of them can feel – I mean, they they certainly feel a lot for themselves. Yes, yes. And they can fall in love. They they don't love a person like you and I might love somebody. But it's – they just don't feel bad. And and it's actually a biological phenomenon. Like they literally do not have – oh, sorry. They don't have parts – the parts of the brain that are associated with empathy – are malfunctioning in these people. So, of course, it's really bad because if the goal-driven behavior is criminal, you get yourself the little serial killer. Right. And so it it seems to me like the people with psychopathic genetics or biology, uh, if they have childhood horrible abuse, that's how you get these terrible things. Right, if you get nudged in that direction. So it is thought that psychopathy is inherited, but Mm -hmm. not just like one gene. Oh, dad's a psychopath, son's a psychopath. It's not like that. It's it's a cluster of of genes, a combination. So you'll see it in a pedigree in a family, but, you know, not necessarily one generation to the next. Right. 
But when it pops up, it's it's different and you know it. Well, and there's different flavors of it too. Like Gary, what was James Fallon's uh, podcast? He's the guy, the Irvine professor that was doing studies on psychopathy and he was looking through the controls and his family and himself in the controls. All of a sudden he found a psychopath amongst the controls and he went, oh my God, this probably got in wrong pile. He takes off the tape and it's him. And it's him. And so he looked into his family and he's related to Lizzie Borden and has multiple generations of people that killed their family members. Nobody else. Always family members. Okay, but if we're going to kill someone, who makes us most mad? I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Not you. You wouldn't right. do it. No, I would not do it. But, but it, you're right. That's where some of the most intense emotions occur. Is, is that sort of a typical psychopathic pattern? No. I Killing mean, do family? They have, do they have something to benefit? So whenever you're looking at a murder and you have a, a, a suspect who you think is a psychopath, what was the motive? They don't – okay. Some of them can kill for thrills, but then they're not killing their family members. Right. If they're killing a family member, it's because they want something. Money or something. Typically. Yeah. And so it seems how many, what percentage of the population have psych, psychopathic tendencies? Okay, you're not going to like this. One out of every 100 of us. So 1%. Yeah. 1%. And so when it, it, it seems like whenever I see murder television shows or whatever or hear about court shows, it seems like the attorneys are always taking the position that this is a psychopath because they're like, oh, he just wanted the insurance money. So he offed his wife. It's like that's not a normal behavior. No. No, and, and usually those are more layered. That is a very convenient explanation for a jury. So everyone goes to – because you have to have motivation. Juries do not like to convict hmm. unless there's motivation, but sometimes there's not. Like you were talking earlier about impulsive killers. Yes. Those are the people who usually have bad functioning of the prefrontal cortex. They get in a bar fight. They kill the guy. They get in a fight with their girlfriend or their wife and they kill them. But if they happen to have an insurance policy, forget it. They're going to say it's the insurance and it was a psychopath and it was premeditated. But sometimes it's not. So the legal – so it's always frustrating the distance between the legal system and the reality, right? Uh, so psychopaths are 1 percent of the population. How would you know if you have one in your life? <laughs> We've talked about this before. So you you know when – they just behave in ways you can't imagine. Unless you're a psychopath yourself, and then you're like, what? He's just like me. He's normal. <laughs> I'm so, not going to ask so you So, Gary, that when I asked Adam if he would push his son off the bridge in the trolley experiment, as, as it was in the Adam and Dr. Drew show, and he was surprised that I was mortified by that, that surprised you? Did it surprise me that – That I was mortified? No. Okay. So mm. you were mortified too? Um. I was not surprised, maybe, but I was – but I, I can't get to where he can get to. Aha. Uh-huh. That's it. Sorry. Go ahead. What I'm not that? calling him a psychopath, but, but you know it when you see it. It's different. Now, we have to say most psychopaths are prosocial. They're not killers. They're not serial killers. It's a small percentage of that 1%. Well, you, you've already called them more evolved, so the prosocial psychopath may actually be a, a significant benefit to the world. That's right. A, a, a leader – um, sometimes a benevolent leader. Yeah. Um, they run banks. They run companies. They just don't have anxiety and they don't, they don't have to worry about the, the stuff that other leaders worry about. That's right. Is, well, they can push the button. Yeah. Do we, do, who, who do you think, say, amongst the presidents of the last 30 years have, have had maybe pro-social psychopathy? Okay. I do love him. But I think Bill Clinton might have been a psychopath. Um, I'm not alone in that thought. He, his, all of his goals were benevolent. But he seemed to be able to function without really looking back 
and he could no do shame, things. no guilt. No shame, no guilt. And, and how do you know he wasn't just a severe narcissist, or is there a difference? Narcissists can feel guilt and empathy and remorse, and those are really important. But shame is a real tough one for them for a narcissist. Well, because they're super insecure, so shame is really it's shattering. They're, they're allergic yeah. to it, right? So how do we know? And Bill Clinton seemed allergic to shame. Yeah. Well, narcissism is a, is a very high factor in psychopathy, but you have to have the hallmarks, which are lack of empathy, remorse, guilt. Those are the, the ones that you really need in order to reach that criteria of, of psychopathy. And so Clinton didn't feel guilt for the stuff he was doing. Did you see the, the uh, Clinton Affair series, the documentary? No. Pretty interesting. You've told me to watch that. Yeah, too. it's pretty. Sorry. Pretty, well, it's all right. I don't have to watch all the television. <laughs> to, to be fair, he gives a lot of assignments. Yeah, you, I, you have to watch Killing Eve. That, I, that you must watch. I, for the life of me, cannot understand how this man has time to watch the amount that he watches. Oh, he doesn't sleep. He drinks a cup of coffee. I mean, a, a pot of it, in, like in the evening. But, but no, no, no. I mean, look. When I go home, my wife and I watch a couple hours of television. I'm it's, not criticizing yeah. you whatsoever. I watch. That's, that's I watch at least down. as much TV as you. Maybe. A lot I more. don't know how you have the time to watch all this, all the documentaries and the stuff online and all the stuff you in the pods you keep up on. I, don't uh, I, I listen to every single podcast at well over one x, and I watch most most things that I'm not watching for pure enjoyment. I will watch at a double, higher speed, speed rate too. That's smart. Okay, how much sleep do you people need? I need seven hours. I do. I can get away with less, but seven is is kind of yeah. The I, get, best. I can get away with five, but I need seven. Do you get tired if you get more than seven? No. Okay. I mean, if I get more than nine, I get tired. Okay, but I don't nine. I don't eight. It's all right. But seven is sort of my number these days. So why? Why are you taking that in? Well, okay, it's not a real study. It's a Michelle study. But I have this theory that people who sleep longer end up sleeping not as deeply, mm. and and they they actually don't have as much energy throughout the day. It's not as efficient to sleep. It's anecdotal. It's yeah, like, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, there is definitely oversleeping. It's, it's called sleep inertia, and you can you can have. Like still be kind of tired during the day after sleeping too much. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But those of us who run on anxiety all the time, mm-hmm. like, you know, you get yourself all hyped up. I'm familiar with that. Like I'm very nervous right now. Wait, you are? No. Okay. So which reminds me, the psychopaths don't really have anxiety, do they? No, not in the way that you want them to. So one thing that's really important, and we can measure this in psychopaths versus non-psychopaths, is think about when you get scared before you're doing something big. Like yeah. let's say you're – Zip lining. I don't know if the heights are scary for you or you're going on air. Your heart starts you know, racing. Mm-hmm. You start sweating. You, you know, the fight or flight, you get this autonomic response. Psychopaths don't get the same autonomic response that we do. So if you tell a psychopath, look, I'm going to shock you in 10 seconds. Here's a screen. Watch it count down. So they're, they're watching the numbers go from 10 to 1 and they know they're going to get shocked. You don't see those increases, and you have your electrodes on them, and their the pulse doesn't increase. That's right, pulse doesn't increase. Then you don't. They don't sweat more. They don't have the the electrodes are measuring skin response. Nope. Can they can they dupe a lie detector test? Oh yeah, easily, easily. Is that wow. why they're not admissible? But so I was like, okay, but does that happen? After they've already been psychopaths, I mean, no one really knows. When do you start measuring? What are you a psychopath? Are you not? So we looked at psychopathy in nine to eleven-year-olds, and we <sighs> did it in twins because wow. we wanted to be able to isolate how much is genes and how much is environment. How did you get the referrals? Well, we, this was at USC. So when I was a graduate student, we ran the Southern California Twin Project. So we went through LA USD, matched birth dates and last names, and came up with thousands and thousands of twins. And we 
divided them by identical and fraternal because identical twins share 100 percent of their genes. Fraternal share 50 percent. So their fraternal twins are just brothers and sisters born at the same time. So if identical twins are more similar on any given behavior, it indicates a strong genetic underpinning. So we did we, – we, we learned that psychopathic traits did have high heritability. But the other thing we discovered is that that phenomenon of not feeling anticipatory fear, not getting nervous before something bad is going to happen exists when they're 9 to 11 years old, mm-hmm. before they've committed crimes did or you, done scary things. Did you look at their brains too? No. Or? Well, we did electrophysiology. Yeah. So we, did, we measured waves, but we didn't do MRIs or any mm. scanning. So it was interesting to me that it's the chicken or egg that this – Biological phenomenon happens before they have an opportunity to go out, you know, killing people. But but you're not saying that the ones that have no anticipatory anxiety are necessarily the killers. No, but they might be the people who can run the country without right without a lot bad. of anxiety. Right, right. Or they don't uh, eat, feeling bad versus anxiety. Those. The, so I'm talking about the somatic markers. It's yeah. not comfortable to feel anxious, right? right? Right. You know, you're like, oh, I'm nervous, and then you get a headache afterward, and so it's. A lot of people will avoid, I think we all avoid that type of experience because you don't want the consequence. And they don't, if you don't have that physical consequence, plus you don't have the guilt and remorse afterward, you can go walking around doing anything you want. So you don't want the misery of the anxiety and you don't want the guilt because that feels bad. Yeah. So people, motivational states, it would allow, sort of cause us to move in various directions. And their motivational, their range of motivations are more open to, Freedom. Freedom. Yeah. So they don't have the biological um, uncomfortable the constraints. constraints and then they don't have the psychological constraints of guilt and remorse. Interesting. And so how do we know we're around one? OK. There are some. When you're in the room, it is a scary feeling. You feel like a saber-toothed tiger is, is in the room with you. You cannot describe it well. You, I, I cannot put – into words, that feeling of I heard a voice and I'm, the, the hair on the back of my neck stands up. I'm like, that guy's a psychopath I, and, I, and a dangerous one and I need to wiggle out of here. Sometimes you don't feel it at Have all. Have you ever had that like, – like that's probably in prisons where you're studying people. No. It's been out in the world? This was at TJ Maxx. What? I know. You should judge me. What, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> well, I was unfortunately shopping. But I was shopping and I, I heard this voice – and I cannot explain it. It's somewhere in the primitive brain, but something told me run. And, of course, I can't run because I can't be like the person who studies the bad people and then runs from them. So I followed it and I just felt all of these physical responses. You followed the voice? I followed the voice. And I felt all of these – and he was with his mother. And then I rounded the corner of the discount clothes and there he was. And he had these eyes and he was so scary looking and he matched his voice and I bolted. Now, I have met some of the most gruesome killers – on death row, and they haven't done that to me. I mean, they all freak me out, but you know, by the end of it, I'm getting duped by them because I'm not as smart as they are. And but this guy was, I'm like, oh, he does the bad stuff. Like oh this god. guy has 40 bodies in his basement. I oh know my it. god! Yeah, and it happens every once in a while. But you'll know it. You'll now, know it. Now, I also, you've also said that they are entertaining, and you want the tension from them. And tell me about that. So part. those are the good psychopaths, right? <laughs> like they can be criminal, but they're really they've honed those. Those features of psychopathy that make them super successful. They are charming. They're glib, um, often very good looking. They, they know how to make you feel good because they've studied it. So it's not usually Ted this Bundy. Ted Bundy, yeah. of course. He's the one, yeah. right? And you have, you have women writing to these killers in jail and we all mock it and think it's crazy. But I have sat across from brutal murderers and been like, okay, this is so weird, but I kind of get it. 
I'm not attracted to them. I'm not going to correspond with them. But I can see how somebody in a less fortunate position might uh. because they're getting attention from somebody who seems a, a bit dangerous and a bit bad guy, powerful. Powerful murderers are powerful to people because we can't do it, right? I mean, yeah. I, I don't kill people. You don't? Not, not regularly? Not on Wednesdays. Yeah, on that Wednesday, good. Uh, but I, I want to keep going down the path of how, how would we know if my brother, my cousin, my wife, or whatever is a psychopath. Do you and have somebody you're really worried about? No, 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 I don't. But but I but I I think it's an interesting topic. I want to see where it takes us. So and and you've said before to me too that women are the more wildly dangerous ones too. We haven't even talked about them yet. Women are the most dangerous criminals of them all. Mm-hmm. Even in stalking, you don't ever, like a female stalker is far more deadly than their male counterpart. But let's let's answer the question you asked. So Narcissists. We all see those. They're they're pretty common. They they seem to be all around us. We seem to date them, and and you can tell because it's all about them. And every story they tell, they're either the victim or the hero, but they're never the villain. Mm. Their their needs come first. They're super insecure. You cannot criticize them because they're allergic to it. Psychopaths are different. They're more controlled. They do things with with very little like – you're not going to get an emotional breakdown from a psychopath usually. But they do things with such precision, such controlled, kind of calculated ease. And you watch them. You're like, that is different from me. You want to study it. You want to be near it. It's not that emotional mess that comes with narcissism. So for me, it's like when I look around people – Usually effective, either that or effective in their life or effective in manipulating people. And that's key. Are they manipulating people to get what they want? And are they taking it to levels that just one or two notches above what you would do? Mm-hmm. And that's how you know. In terms of what, what they would do to get there or what they just do? What they do to get there. Yeah. So their goals could be similar to yours, but either you won't take the risks associated with what they're doing to get there or you wouldn't – like, even if you couldn't be caught, you wouldn't hurt somebody to that level. So they will – they leave a wake of people. It does not matter what they've done, who they've, whose positions they've cost. It doesn't matter. It doesn't even occur to them to look back. You don't see narcissists doing that. These are psychopaths. And when they do get consequences, the psychopath, how do they react to it? Well, usually they can get out of it, right? They're usually calm, collected, mm-hmm. thoughtful until the last minute. I mean Ted Bundy was bawling on the way to – you know, be executed. So they, they, they do have a limit, but in their wake, in their behaviors, you see just it's stealth, it's snake-like. And they can talk through it and talk, oh, God, you know, I did, I felt horrible about that. They learn the words, they know what to say, but they keep doing it. The reality is there, there's no consequences for them hurting people, manipulating, and they're so good at it, especially the older ones. Once they learn the languages to, to truly get you and to get you to believe them, I get stuck. I get duped. Are, are they lying all the time? Oh, yeah. Constantly. They don't they don't, they, yeah. Nothing prevents them from that. And, but I, these still sound like male characteristics. How do the females manifest? Oh, well, they have sexuality to work with as well. Mm. So it's very easy for a female psychopath to work around her female friends and her boyfriends. You don't expect it because they have these feminine qualities and they can fake nurture – but when they do it, when, when a woman has departed from some of those very, I don't know, stereotypical feminine features, nurturing, caring, coddling, and that means nothing to them, and, but they can fake that, then they have access to everything. And, <laughs> and sometimes their children are, the, are, are really their biggest casualties because it doesn't prevent them from having them. You know, they don't know what we're talking about when we talk right. about like this 
but this intense love, throw your body in front of the train for your child. They don't right. get it, but they'll learn the words of it. So if they do have this child who they can use in their favor for their goal, they will. Hmm. Yeah. They, but they don't have uh, maternal instincts? <sighs> do humans have maternal instincts? I know, but do humans in general? Okay, so I feel like I know that biologists and and scientists around the world will argue that humans don't really have a maternal instinct to take care of their young. That's supposed to be a reaction, not a thought, and we have thoughts. What? Yes, there's a whole thing. When I was in graduate school and I talked That's about maternal— that was, the, that was the cognitive revolution. That's yeah. all gone. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, they might have some. But it's not in the way we have it. So they might – their goal might be to keep that little human alive at that, at that point in time. And then they will do anything they can to keep that human alive. But if another goal replaces that, it's not like you and I with our children. You know, it, none of this matters. They are what matter. It's not that. Their goal is always going to trump their child. I remember I, once, I got a call on Loveline one time. A kid called in. We were talking about this topic. And he goes, I think I'm a psychopath. I, I don't care. I don't feel anything. And and I but I want to do better. I don't want to do. I feel like I could hurt people, but I don't want to. Oh, right. And not not that he wanted to harm anybody, but he he thought like I, because I don't care, who knows? You know what I could do. And I urged him to get talk to somebody by getting some pro social sort of coached up. Can they do that? Yeah, I mean, especially someone who's woke like and, that and motivated. Yeah, he's motivated. Yeah, yeah, he's, and he's insightful. Aware. He's like he sees he's different. Something's not right. That's rare to, yeah. to have that kind of insight. Um, yes, there's always hope. Are they going to grow that area of the amygdala and all no, of a I sudden? No, you know, no, no. No. But if their goal is to be better, then they will do whatever they need to do in a psychopathic fashion to achieve that goal. How did the pro-social psychopaths come about? I think it's the same phenomenon. It's just where did you end up on this planet? So if your goals are, wow, I really like this attention. I love running for offices in school. You know, maybe they stick on that track or if it's, you know what, I don't have any money. I need money. I know the old couple down the street has money. I'm just going to, you know, off them and take what they have. They don't need it. They'll be dead. And that's how they think. <laughs> it's so crazy. I was interviewing the psychopath and he slaughtered his mom, dad, brother. And I'm looking at him and I'm like, okay. And he looks like a fraternity brother. Yeah. I mean, you date him. I mean, you wouldn't date him, but I right. would have dated him in college. And I said, Matthew. I have to ask you a question. I, I, okay, fine. You killed mom, dad, and brother. But then you slaughtered your dog, like the one you kept alive, the one you loved. And he looked at me and he said, everyone wants to know why. Michelle, I just slaughtered my family. Do you think I give it? Can I curse? Yeah. You give a shit about the dog. Yeah. Well, he said fuck yeah. about the dog. And I'm like, well, even I couldn't wrap my head around how do you not love the dog? <laughs> what does the dog I ever feel done? feel something. Yeah. Something for the animal. And it's, you know, he... I mean, in a million years, what I I never would. In fact, I didn't know he was the criminal I was interviewing. So I'm like, oh, here, carry the camera. How oh, are my God. you? Oh, yeah. Touched him like five times. Oh. <laughs> yeah. What was your uh, PhD thesis on? Exactly what I was describing, that twin study. So I was looking at how much of psycho- psychopathy is genetic and that anticipatory fear is that seen at this early age. So we were doing it to 9 to 11-year-old twins so that we could identify that. Are there tests for psychopathy? Yeah. I mean, yes, but a true psychopath can fake it. But yes, there are there are physical tests like the ones I've talked about. Um, you know, there's you can hook them up to the machines and and Is that strictly psychopathy? I mean, let's say is that is that definitive diagnostic? No. In other words, yeah, there must be other things that cause no sympathetic response to stress. Right. So you, I mean, if somebody's on beta blockers. Yeah, yeah of course. Right. Of course. 
Um, so no, it needs to be in conjunction with these, you know, the psychopathy checklist or something like that. Which Have, is? Well, Hare developed a checklist. Um, you know, you basically go through it at self-report, but you can get caregivers and friends and spouses. You know, we we manipulated a ton of these um, tools, these measures, and we did you know psychometrics to make sure they worked. And because truly self-reporting, a nine, nine through 11-year-olds are fine because they don't know to lie yet. They will lie. They'll lie really, really well, even the little ones. Mm-hmm. Like one of them climbed on the interviewer's lap to ask for candy and was like stroking his face. So then I'm like, oh, no, she's you know being molested. They're like, no, 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 no. She does whatever she thinks she needs to do to get candy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the parents were like, we think she's a psychopath. Oh, where is she now? I don't know. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah, just a number. But anyway, it's you, you have to look at these measures. You can't just be like, psychopath, yeah, psychopath, no. You have to look at several several measures to really confirm it. But it's when you get someone saying to you, I feel nothing, you got to pay attention to that. They, they, they will report they don't have feelings. Yeah, they'll be like, I don't care. I don't care. You'll, I mean, if you talk to one and, and you ask them questions about guilt, look at them carefully and listen to what they're saying and look at see if their face matches the words. Because then tell them a story and see if they respond. Because really, they they know they learn. Cleckley said this that they learn the language of an emotion, but not the music of the emotion. Oh, so wow. they'll they'll get the words right, but you can tell just by it's off. It it's just you know. Interesting. Yeah. In Killing Eve, she likes to see the people die. Like the, she likes the moment of death. Is that a power thing that some psychopaths have? Yeah, there was that. Oh, what's her name? I always mess it up. They called her Jolly Jane. Um, she was a nurse, and she would. <laughs> Kill, she would bring her patients to death and then she'd snuggle them. It was weird. And then she'd Jane bring them. Toppin. Toppin. Thank you. Jolly Jane Toppin. How do you know that? I have the internet, Drew. Oh, you looked it up. Okay. I want to <laughs> make sure on. you didn't just know that. <laughs> Come so, on, man. He's a psychopath. All right. All right. He's so, studying. And she'd bring them back. She'd bring them back. She loved that. She also liked just watching them die, but she's called it a, a, a delight. Ooh. And I think it, some of them have sexual delight. So some of them actually can't climax unless they're killing somebody. Oh, my God. That's Sorry. Fantastic. I know. And that's men or women, both? Typically men. I men. mean, Jolly Jane. I don't, that was she didn't thing. get her name, that name for going to church. Oh, my God. That's funny. How many people did she kill that way? Oh, I'd have to. Gary? A lot. So she'd bring them back? Some she'd bring back. Some she couldn't bring back and some she allowed to die because she liked it. <sighs> yeah. It was rude. So in Killing Eve, they have he likes at least thirty one. Thirty one. Wow. And, and was she Canadian? There was that other Canadian <laughs> killer. No, she's American. What was that? Other, what was that Canadian killer's name? Uh, uh, Canadian, really wacky. Oh, let's see here. John Martin Crawford. No, no, female. Oh. Uh, oh, the couple. The, the I think couple she was involved each- with the couple thing. They killed her sister. They raped her sister and then I killed think, her. Yeah, she was in that. I think. Yeah, yeah. gross. Carla. Carla. Homoka. 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 Yeah, that's her. Well done. Thank you. Yeah, that was a wacky thing, and it was that, yeah. and that was her, and he was dragged into it, right? Mm, I think two lovely psychopaths found each other. Wow. In that particular instance, I believe she's been released. By the I way, I know. I know. Dirty girl. <laughs> um, so yeah, they they I believe had they drugged her little sister, had sex with her, and then killed her. Right. And then just like went about their day. No big deal. So weird. But that's why I had to study them. Like you kind of – OK. Some guy gets in a bar fight, gets angry. We've all felt rage. We've yeah. all been glad we didn't have a firearm in our hands. Yes. Not yes. that we would act, but we could. Yes. We understand impulsivity. Yeah. It's the cold-blooded predator who looks and acts just like you and me 
and can do these things and then have lunch. Yeah, that's crazy. It's just biologically different from us. It's so fascinating. They need stimulation too, right? They get bored really easily. A lot of them have lower arousal. So they they also base jump and some of them start that way. They they want to – so low autonomic arousal is actually uncomfortable also biologically, Mm. physically, physically uncomfortable. So they want that adrenaline rush. So they'll – you know, sometimes it's, you know, free climbing – Sometimes it's stealing cars and then often when they habituate to that, it's a little boring. So they have to up the ante mm. and that's how you see serial killers being born. They like it. They might start with squirrels and such and then they end up with like one person and get away with it and a little bored and kill another one. They'll even send something to the police to get a little attention to escape that because that's fun. Wow. Yeah, I know. And, and what is the hair scale? What's on, on the – well, it's all the same. It's all the same features we're talking about. It's and you have to be high on several of them. So you can't just be unempathetic and and remorseless. You also have to you have to be a little impulsive. So that's where there's a distinction that's a little interesting. Psychopaths are a little impulsive too. And if you think about it, they make mistakes. Oh, and I should mention this: the biology and all these factors of successful psychopaths murders. Murderers and unsuccessful murderers is a little bit different and it makes sense because if – so you're looking at your population and and they're in jail. Well, those are people who got caught. Right. So what about these killers who don't get caught? So this man I worked under, this brilliant man, Adrian Rain, um, he thought, well, why why don't we look at these killers who haven't been caught? Well, how do you do that? Interestingly, like fun fact – a lot of murderers will work at temp agencies at one point or another in their lives. So, if Why? Well, I think it's just because they don't have permanent addresses and no one's really going to hire them and they certainly don't want background checks done. And, uh. you know, they have transient lifestyles. So it kind of makes sense to, you know, oh, God, now I'm in Detroit. What am I going to do? I'm going to sign up with a temp agency. So it's – there's not a lot of research on successful psychopaths, but they're a different beast. What's different? Well, okay. One of the things is they actually do have – there's a phenomenon of consequences like learning from behavior. You'll see in psychopaths the whole dynamic of learning and and do like the Wisconsin card sort and they don't learn. They don't learn like, okay, this is the strategy that's not working. That's not working. It's because that's prefrontal cortical stuff. It's prefrontal. Yeah, it's like medial. And the successful ones do learn. So they can be taught from their mistakes and so they go on to be more – like that is the – again, there aren't a ton of studies on it. But that's one of the fascinating avenues to go down is, well, what about the, the ones who are killing people but aren't being caught? And how do you talk to them? They're not going to volunteer. And, and so – but we're, now the, the, the murder is the one I know that fascinates you. But the ones that fascinate me are the ones that are milder and are amongst us. Amongst us. Because you're worried about people. I can tell. No, I'm not really worried about people. It's just they're harder to detect. Mm-hmm. And, and I always – I think what I'm worried about is my own judgment because I always assumed I was looking at narcissism or borderline or this kind of stuff. But I, I didn't factor in psychopathy very much no. into my thinking. You know, and that's that's all of my fault and people like me because it's so exciting that the really bad psychopaths are what we focus on. But you're right. What what we really need to look at are just the psychopaths among us. You know, hedge fund managers. Look at what they do with other people's money with very little regard. If you had a lot of guilt and shame – and, and and introspection, 
you're not going to be taking people's retirement and being right. super risky with it. Right. You just wouldn't have that much faith in yourself. And the first time you messed up, you'd give it up, right? Right. But I get duped still. I mean, there's psychopaths in my orbit. I'm like, oh, gosh, you were, you were right there the whole time. Like, what, how do you know? Because, well, again, I would assume it was something else. No, it takes time. And, it, and yeah. it's not – you can't measure them on how they treat you. You have to watch how they treat other people. Because they're always acting for you, right? So mm-hmm. if, if you're asking the question and you're involved and you're emotionally invested, their answers are for you. They're for Drew. Right. So watch. Just watch. Look at – I always say turn down the volume and watch the video. What do you see? Not what you hear because they're so good. <laughs> they're so good at their words. But what do, you he- what do you see them doing? Look at their patterns. Look at who's in their wake. Look at how many people they've hurt. And when they describe it, they're always going to be the victim or the hero of the story. And, and the hurt is usually just by abandoning people or using them? or Using them. Their yeah. roommate. It's not just lovers. Their roommates, their former boss, their colleagues, people at school. But, but all family. of us do some of that stuff, right? To, to an extent. Yeah. But we feel something about it so we yes. don't do it again. Uh, okay. We learn. We learn from it. We learn and we care. But if they, if you're not burdened by it, you can see how it can go on and on and you can get better and better. Like, oh, if I made them feel good, they got me what I wanted. I mean, us girls do it at bars, right? And you're like, right. you want a drink? You flirt, you move away. But they were like, oh, I can get this. I can get this woman to give me her credit card. And you woo the unattractive girl who isn't getting hit on by anybody and you start to date them and you give them a sob story and they're giving you money. And then you move to the next one. And then the next one, they behave like addicts. Really? Because mm-hmm. that does not sound like addict stuff. In what sense? Well, that they will – to get their fix, they'll steal from their grandma. Whereas in real life, they oh, wouldn't pre-addiction. Uh, I so I see. So in terms of – I get it. They're not as motivated as an addict, but they'll behave like an addict. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their, their goal – well, an addict's goal is you know beyond their control. Right. I got to get the fix now and I got to do whatever I have to do to get it. They're just doing whatever they have to do to – Get what they want. Right. Whatever it is. Right. So watch. Just look around you and just – not your interactions but like Gary. Let's let's pretend Gary's a psychopath. Okay. Just think about – you can't hear him right now anyway. Not think that, about, that, that much of a reach. No, it's not. <laughs> see I mean, see after, that face? After the baby's born, I'm sure I'll just go full, um, full flush. No, that's going to be no, different. That's going to be a different psychiatric state. <laughs> <laughs> it's called depression. No. Um, they also – this is so weird but there's some biological characteristics like – Facial asymmetry. They're usually left-handed. Asymmetry. Yes. It's so weird. But you know what? I went to Alcatraz once and I looked up on the wall and all of them had these big ears with asymmetrical faces. And I'm like, yes, they all look like – Interesting. I know. It's weird. And that's in murders in general, but specifically psychopathy. You'll see it more. Asymmetrical faces. Asymmetrical faces. So this guy whose voice you heard in the TJ Maxx. Had asymmetrical. No, his eyes were the same color as his hair and his face and it was like a yellowy brown and he looked like a reptile. Oh, I know he matched his voice, which was I, yeah, that was weird. But you know, so he, Gary's all symmetrical. So he's no, he's not a good candidate. No, but Damn. you know, look around. Like you and I work on projects together, and it's yeah. it's like look around where people trying to get what they need, get what they need, and how they do it. You know, like when you when you work with people. I mean, nobody we know. I don't know who you work. Maybe with. I, that's I, what, that's the part. That's why I keep asking these questions because right. I don't I don't keep that kind of an inventory in my you head. Yeah. You should. Because you're very generous and you help people. But watch, look around you and see how other people do that. You know, I know I can call you and be like, hey, Drew, I need something. And you're there. Look around and see if, if you see that in, in whoever you're thinking of. And where, what they do and how they get there, not how they describe it. You Give me an example. Just describe it for me. Okay. So somebody, you know, 
let's say Gary in the next 10 years becomes the CEO of, you know, travel company. I need to travel. Okay, great. Look along the way. Look in his wake. Who, Who did he work for? How did he describe them? Is, are they still together? Look at the history of friends. Who do they still have in their orbit? Do they move? Do they move on? Do they have any relationship with their family? And just and people like I always when a girl says to me, I'm more of a, a, a guy girl. I don't really like other girls. I'm like, whoa. That's all. That's borderline, though, too. Well, right? if you get the histrionics yeah. that come with it, for yeah. sure. Um, but just look at their orbit. Why, why the women who don't like women? Well, why don't you like women? Right? Is it because you're super insecure and so you can't handle it? Or is it because you do shitty things to them? And so, you know, you don't like the competition and you'll use them. Like, you have to actually just, you can't, it can't just be the words. You've got to look. Mm. So look around. Like, let's say you're thinking of a particular person. Look in his or her orbit. See how they got to where they are. Don't listen to them. Just look in their orbit. And, and what is the relationship like with their friends? How long have they had their best friend? Because psychopaths don't keep friends, they can't. Because they can't, the friends can't stick around. They can, well, the friends can't stick around, and they just don't care enough. So it takes work to keep a friendship, right? Do, do they cut them off? No, they just d- discard them. They don't. It's not a big emotional phenomenon. It's just they're done. Their 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 purpose here is over. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> sorry. Crazy. I know. You can also just call me, and I'll come meet them. Uh, and you know right away. No, I do get duped, but if somebody tells me. I want to know of this particular person. So if I'm not looking for it, I get fooled all the time. Like, mm. like I'm kind of bad at what I do. But if I'm not, if I'm looking for it, I see it. And so what do you, what do you look at? Because again, for this, I'm, I'm, th- I'm drilling down here because for people generally out there that, because I think this topic spooks people. And the first thing they think is, oh, is my, do I know one? Is there one around me? And, I, and they want to know, how can I tell? Okay. Okay. So that's kind of what I keep asking that. So let's say, and, and let's let's be honest, people want to know if they're married to one, right? You sure. Know, they want sure. to know if they're married to sure. a psychopath or dating one, and they shouldn't marry the psychopath. Look in their history. How have they treated people? And it's and you you know everyone you meet this person. He's fifty. He's never been married. All of his exes are these horrible people, or they're just neutral. And he, in the description, in everything they describe, it's just they were done. They were done. There's no emotional connection. That person could die tomorrow and they don't care. They just don't care. It doesn't matter. So it's, it's not narcissism and that's very confusing. You're going to get narcissism. You're going to get a lot of woe is me. You're going to get a lot of sob stories, a lot of manipulation in that regard. Like don't – what about me? But what about me? Psychopaths don't do that. They're not needy like that. They have a goal. They're on a trajectory. And if you can help them, you're around. And, in, and when you can no longer help them, look in the past. Has everybody been there to serve a purpose other than true friendship? And, and Other than true friendship. So a psychopath doesn't need a true friend. So, oh, right. Right. So if somebody – if the person you're questioning has real friends and does things for those friends without getting anything back, no. There's no way that's a psychopath. Unless they're, you know, it seems like a mild psychopath, psychopathy could do that. Well, then that person's being groomed for future use. Are they, are they strictly that that extreme? It depends. I mean, but is, is, is there no spectrum to it? Well, like let's say sex, right? Yeah. If they're getting sex, you know, they'll feign love. They're, they might even think they're in love. That's another thing. Psychopaths don't know they're psychopathic, right? You know, and that's it's not like they're walking around. I mean, usually a narcissist will read a narcissistic narcissistic description and be like, eek. All right. Maybe. Well, it's not my fault I'm like that. I'm not really like that. you know. And, yeah. But a psychopath, it's only when you get – because they don't know that they're glib, unemotional, manipulative. They don't know that. It's only when you get to like descriptions of 
don't care when people die or don't care when someone's been they love's been hurt or when they're like, wait, what am I supposed to feel? And when you bring it up to one who hasn't been trained in how to speak, they it's like you're speaking of a sixth sense that they have no they don't know what it's like trying to describe the color pink to a blind person. They're like, I think I know what you mean, but I don't, I can't see it. So that's very, that's very, that's a very vivid sort of description of that. That is different than it most, almost any other psychiatric condition. Yeah. yeah. But, but once they learn the words of it, you, it, game over. Then even I have a hard time. I have to just watch. And, and you keep saying watching, like watch. I ask questions like, oh, tell me about your brother. Tell me about your sister. Who was your college roommate? Do you still keep in touch with him? Who was your best friend in high school? Do you know what happened to them? Who were your roommates? What happened to your last six lovers? And will they be just sort of dismissive of all that? If they don't know what I'm asking or why I'm asking. So if they don't know, if they think it's just an interview, if I say something like, tell me, I want to know about you. Tell me about you. I don't get the right answers because they have a script. Sometimes people show glee inappropriately. Is this their thing too? (laughs) Okay, but I do that. You do that too? (laughs) Okay, so glee glee is okay. No, it's not. It's gallows humor. I deal with such awful subject matter that sometimes I just have to make light of it. Yeah. Um, but, but that's they, not glee. That's that's humor. That's hu- that's mirth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. I feel better. <laughs> um, they do because they don't feel those deep. Yeah. Like hero- they can be sad if something bad happens to them. Mm. They can be sad, but if something's not like if you take away something that's serving them, they get sad and frustrated, and they get angry. But they're controlled. They're like, okay, moving on. Like. But I ask questions about like, oh, who did you who did you first love? What did that feel like? What, how did you break up? You'll get a lot of it just fizzled. Mm. It just fizzled. Oh yeah, we lost touch. Your brother? Oh yeah, no, he's great. He's great. He's in you know Wisconsin. Met his kids. You know what are his kids like? Oh, you know, I get the card once a year. They just don't have that connection, that attachment. They won't necessarily speak poorly of them. And if there is a riff, they they are definitely the 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 hero or the victim. Um, but it's these these questions and dig down deep and you're like, you don't have anyone. And everyone who is in your orbit serves you in some capacity. Let's do a couple minutes on stalkers. If um, – just break down different kinds of stalkers real quick. I know you did a whole discovery – ID, ID is it uh, is it available now? Investigation yeah, discovery. I mean, you can you can find them. Okay, they're stalked. Someone's watching. I did fifty eight so, episodes of of that. So the simple stalking that's the most common, right? Yeah. So usually the most the most common form of stalking is an ex lover, or or an ex something. Ex something. Yeah, a and friend, lover, right. whatever. Yeah. And like, somebody, somebody who claims special domain over somebody else. That's right, and they just can't let it go. Yeah. But you know, I always struggle with this one because our pop culture. Kind of celebrates it. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Every breath you take. Absolutely. You know, I mean, it's – look at the movies from the 80s. Like outside it, you'll, the window yeah. with the ghetto blaster. Yes, yeah, that's stalking behavior. It's all stalking yeah, behavior. Yeah, and they, and they glorify it. Right. Yeah, this is what I've, I've been saying for quite some time is that we glamorize and sort of reinforce stalking behaviors of all types. Yeah. The, 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 the guys that want to be the girl's friend, you know, that didn't – wasn't interested romantically. Well, that guy – that guy that's waxing her car twice a week is stalking. He sta- today. Yeah. And, and you know what? In California, we have these really strict anti-stalking <laughs> laws. And that's because of that Rebecca Schaefer murder. Yeah. I think it was 1984 or 1986. And because we have celebrities here, yeah. you'll get a lot of like, – if, if an attorney can attach an anti-stalking or a stalking charge 
on anybody's behavior, they're going to jail for longer. Oh, wow. So, you know, that's the most typical type of stalker, and it's also the most dangerous. Simple stalker? Simple stalker. is the, the most dangerous. It's the most dangerous. Well, I thought psychotic stalking was the most. Well, no. If you have somebody with, you know, they're hearing voices. Yeah, psychotic stalking. Right. That's dangerous. It's just rare. It's rare. I had one of those. Oh. He oh. was a meth addict who was totally preoccupied with me, believed I inserted something in his tooth that gave him erections, and he made as small as claims at the Santa Monica courthouse, and they took it. Oh, no. Yes. Oh, yes. And that's how I found out about the guy. They were like, oh, you're going to pay 2500 bucks if you don't show up. I'm like, what? For, the, to For be- this psychotic claim? In the same room with the person who's stalking you. Was, I found out he was a stalker. He was crazy. We, we got him treated. So got him. You, got, well, yeah. you know stalkers don't really go away. They Meth addict stalkers do because okay, so the, meth, the psychosis settled down. Okay. So, yeah. so he, an addict is yeah. definitely different. And that's yeah. what I tell people. I have, I have these victims who call me and they're like, well, Adam is still stalking me. And I'm like, well, take down your social media. No. Hmm. I'm not going to let him control my life. Oh, then, don't, then don't call me because honestly, you are feeding the stalker with every – even – even just saying "get away from me," don't call me anymore is bad right. news. You don't yeah. do so that. So simple stalkers, no contact, not even a restraining order. Nothing. Well, mm, that's a slippery slope. Yeah, because you need to give your law enforcement. You need to untie their hands and let them act, and they can't act if they so don't you have do a restraining order. Okay. Ish, but sometimes I mean, a true stalker does not care. It's not going to stop them. Right. It, all it does is allow your local law enforcement. So if you walk in with your log and you're like, look, this is what's happening. I know you can't do anything about it. I just need you to know. And then he does do something or she does do something that brings it to the level of a restraining order or a personal protection order. It's scary because you are going to poke the bear. But at least the sheriff who you now should be friends with mm. can run over and arrest the guy. It's a slippery slope. I mean, I, I am not one for firearms. But I have literally had to say to someone like, there's nothing that's going to stop this person. So just make sure you're protected. Mm. Um, they don't typically rehabilitate they, well. They, they go on for years. They too. go on for years. Is there certain personality styles that are associated with We it? see borderline. Borderline, Bo- borderline, person, borderline personality disorder. Yeah. How about males? A lot of borderline there too. But I, I thought more like schizoaffective might do this you too. You do get some yeah. schizoaffective. Yeah. And, and you know they're so socially awkward. So you do have those incompetent suitor types. Mm-hmm. And those are, are the ones – they just don't – they can't read the social cues. They're odd. You do get those. They're not dangerous. They're not dangerous. That's good. But they do stick around for years, years. And, and like you mentioned, those with command voices are really, really, really scary. Because yeah. if someone's, if somebody who you hear, just like you're hearing. That's what happened to the, the woman that, you, that uh, got the stalking laws, right? That was a psychotic stalking Yeah. Really. She, yeah. yeah. So he, and he was punishing her because, yeah. you know, she behaved inappropriately in a, in a TV show. And, you know, there, there's one woman in New Jersey um, who was being stalked for, I believe, 13 years by her son's, like, Cub Scout leader wow. and he finally like there was no way to figure this out and he was horrible to her finally he burned himself alive in her shed because oh yeah but you i know did you see the other thing i saw have you seen this gary the uh series on um lorena bobbitt i'm aware of it yeah. i've watched portions of it he's for work, stalking yeah. her still and she's That's like not true yeah Sends letters and crow. Why don't we get it back together? And and she's like, I cut off his penis. What is the matter with like, this guy? And did, didn't he do porn for a yeah, minute? Yeah, yeah. With his broken penis, repaired broken penis. Yeah. Can one really repair a broken? Oh uh, yeah, it was pretty well repaired. Right. But then he got an enlargement procedure on top of that, and that's what screwed him up. I'm sorry, but maybe he should have just been without the penis. Speaking of psychopaths, I mean, he had a lot of crazy qualities. She got away with that, right? Uh, yeah. You should you should watch this that series too. <laughs> 
I mean, it, I don't know about got away with it. She, I think she went to prison for a while. Did she? A hot second? Something. Yeah. Didn't she throw it out the window? Yep. She was psychotic when it happened. I mean, she was out of it. Okay. But it been bad abuse for a long time from that guy. Maybe he had it and, coming. And so. then he abused multiple other women after that too. Okay, so she just castrated him for everybody else's yeah. sake. Yeah, so stalkers, my biggest fear is always the female stalker, often borderline. Um, you know, and borderlines are crazy because they – I don't mean crazy clinically. Yeah. I just mean that they're, they're – Do crazy stuff. Do crazy stuff. And often one of the hallmarks, as you know, is is suicidal threats mm. and sometimes suicidal behavior, but not because they want to die, mm-hmm. but because they want the attention. Mm-hmm. And if you have – a borderline stalker. Sometimes we see they'll they'll go and attack, kill, yeah. and then themselves. They'll take if they are going to do it. They they take them down with them. They and and I swear to God, this is the craziest thing. All of them literally say the line, "If I can't have you, no one can." It's like they saw the movie, and they all say the same thing. That the borderlines do that. The borderlines. Do, do the that. males do that? Ever? Yes. They, oh, they all male what? Male borderlines? Yes, they all say it. And they're all no, male stalkers. Male oh. stalkers, not necessarily meeting criteria for borderline, but definitely a stalker. They all say the same damn line: "If I can't have you, no one will." And then they kill them and themselves. Often they'll just kill themselves. So like, I can't live on this planet with you on it, not with me. So they'll just take themselves. What's the primary pathology that we think? The one that you see over and over and over again is borderline. borderline. Yeah. yeah. And should we describe for the listeners what borderline person – Okay. So it's it's poorly named kind of kind of in between neurotic and psychotic. But it's, its hallmarks are really tumultu- tumultuous interpersonal relationships and it's – everything's black or white. Everyone's a hero or a villain. Every situation's good or bad. They're so history on They're all good or all bad. That's Best right. ever or worst ever. Right. And it's called a split. There's all this splitting and emotional dysregulation, unregulated hostility, and imp- intolerance of uh, abandonment. Loss. And that's the, the underlying yeah. problem yeah. is abandonment. So yeah. they just yell and scream at you so you don't leave them. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> it's awesome. Michelle, we have to wrap this thing up. I could go on and on and on. We'll have to do another one. So Anything for we'll you, do, We'll do a full-on just, just stalking. Yes? All right, Gary. Sounds good to me. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Michelle, thank you. Anywhere you want to send people to find you? Or I don't see a website here. Well, because I like to be anonymous. Okay, because (laughs) you've done a whole series on stalking. I talked to you about it. I'm a little scrub. All right, well, listen, we'll do more. And thank you for joining us. And we'll see you all next time. Thank you. For calling times and topics, follow the show on Twitter at Dr. Drew Podcast. That's D-R-D-R-E-W Podcast. The music from today's episode can be found on the swinging sounds of the Dr. Drew Podcast, now available on iTunes. And while you're there, don't forget to rate the show. The Dr. Drew Podcast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana and Gary Smith. For more information, go to drdrew.com. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Dr. Drew Podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes. Only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or drdrew.com. Mm-hmm.